and welcome to The Kink Perspective. My name's Chris. I'm a psychotherapist and consultant. On this episode, I'm going to talk about something that really should be talked about, something that we kind of seem to ignore, um, or actually not even so much ignore, but we don't even necessarily think about at times. Um, I want to kind of credit this discussion to two people specifically, two people I've actually had on the show um, in the past. And one person just did, uh, before I say who, did a fantastic writing on this um, entitled Protocols and Ceremonies Everywhere Except for When the Dynamic Ends. Um, Last year, at the end of last year, or a few months ago, depending on how you want to look at it, I had a conversation with Brookish about lactation, but in in our exchange when we were talking about other things, one thing that had been mentioned that, um, again, doesn't really get talked about is what do we do, do do we have an exit plan when we leave a dynamic, especially when we have control aspects or cognitive aspects in place, um, protocols, rituals, um, controlling measures, when we're manage, doing time management for people, right? Over time, we are literally altering their behavior. Um, and the do- dominants and submissives are altering their behavior for their dynamics so they can work together in conjunction. I've really kind of res- been wrestling with the idea of whether this is going to be one or two episodes. And because I think there's such a scope here um, as far as how big this subject is. I don't know if I can do it in two episodes. I'm going to see how this one goes and kind of where the thoughts and some of the the things I've been reading about online and coping and all of these different things, um, how big this is going to be. So as I go along, I'll see and see if I'm going to continue. We need to understand that all relationships end. It doesn't matter if you're in a 50-year relationship or dynamic. They all end, and they will come to an end because typically they're going to come to an end for at least one reason, and that's usually going to be our own mortality. At some point in our life, we are going to die. We are not sentient beings that are going to last forever. At least I don't know. Nobody's really come back after death and told me otherwise or told the world otherwise, and I'm meaning hundreds of years later, right? We need to understand that sometimes through the willful choice of you know, or an agreeable choice, people sit down and they don't always get along anymore or circumstances change, that um, somebody may need to be released or somebody even, a submissive may ask to be released. Um, It reminds me of a time when um, I was in a dynamic with somebody and, you know, everything was going along great. There was no real issues between the two of us, but somebody was moving further away it wasn't going to be really conducive to a supporting DS dynamic anymore. Uh, we had a big discussion, and I initiated a release. In either case, no matter how a relationship or a dynamic ends, there is going to be some pain. There is going to be some sadness. There is going to be, you know, a little bit of anxiety. There's going to be some stress. There could be some depression, and we need to address some of these things. And that is because, you know, we get used to the rigors of the day in and day out contact. Uh, Maybe from a dominance perspective, I would get used to the day in and day out of 
reminding my submissive to write in her journal, to practice her rituals, to continue her her position training, to learn whatever task I'm having her do that week. And because these are being managed on this level and we really get into the psyche of somebody else, right, we have to really realize that our dynamics, the deeper you get into them, the more control that we are giving up in a power exchange, right, the deeper we go in to our psychological and emotional responses towards somebody else because we're really giving up that part of ourselves. You know, people, speaking from a dominant perspective, a lot of people think that, oh, doms are just looking for control and that's it. And, you know, they're control freaks. That's not the case. There's a lot of work that has to go into our craft. We have to know the tasks that we're giving out. We have to learn and understand in the months of negotiations prior. And... One thing about this, the other person that I I also didn't mention, or maybe I have and I forgot, but I'm going to reiterate if I didn't. um, But during her this writing, uh, Luna Lux put up about these protocols and ceremonies. One thing that I absolutely I I love the writing. I think it was a brilliant piece of work. If you're on FetLife, um, find do a search for Luna Lux. Read this article. it's brilliantly written from an incredible perspective. And, and my only thing is to kind of build on what she said. But we don't discuss the endings of dynamics because we get involved in a relationship and we kind of get caught up in the whimsical, fantastical, mystical belief that this is it. We, we found each other and we're going to go. And the world doesn't unfortunately work that way. You know, I was in the military. I, I have been shipped off. Um, people get jobs, they've got to move, their families get sick, they got to go home. Things in life change. Our tastes change. There are even people that as they grow older, they grow out of their love for the lifestyle. They don't want to do it anymore. I really do think this is kind of a really big topic that's got a lot of different things. So I probably will carry this into a part one and part two. Um, and just going to kind of prattle along with my thoughts. So I'm going to kind of build off of this, what Luna said, and then and interject my thoughts and talk about the emotional responses. When we start off our dynamic search and we're getting involved with people and we are talking and we're trying to figure out not only if we're finding them attractive, if we like what they have to say, if they can carry a you know, intelligent conversations are starting to tick all of our boxes. Then we're, you know, we're, we're doing the, the basic courtship. And then we're going to maybe sit down. Um, and I'm going to go through my ritual. I know a lot of people don't follow this. I, I th- you know, I know uh, like Luna and Kane, who I highly, highly respect. Um, Kane and I have, you know, trudged in the same parts of the world. Um, we come from a time that, you know, all of this is, takes months to do. And there's plenty of others that still follow this mantra. And there's, there's a lot of new people that are starting to at least follow this mantra. But we have to kind of remember that when we meet somebody, we're not just in the vanilla world going, okay, cool, you're my boyfriend after, you know, I just met you on Tinder or whatever. And then tomorrow you're my boyfriend. And I don't think it really, it doesn't work that way. No relationships are really forged in that light. Vanilla relationships, uh, DS dynamics, 
the one thing that when, when we're going through them and we're doing all of our negotiations and we're talking about um, you know, medical stuff and maybe psychological issues or, you know, restrictions or uh, our limitations. Uh, we're negotiating things we want to do. We're dealing with the rejection and we're counter-offering things. But we don't ever, ever, ever talk about what are we going to do when it ends. And Luna really made me think about this point. Because I sat there and I said, you know, how many times have I actually ever done this in mine? And I, I kind of went back through some old contracts I had. I you know, keep all that type of stuff for whatever, sentimental, more so learning purposes. And I had noted that it had only happened once in a couple of decades. I think that's because you don't really get caught up in the, like I said before, you don't get caught up in thinking the long term. We're not thinking about this person's going to leave me that we're just thinking about, they're going to be with me. The things we're going to do We're we're kids in candy stores. We're getting up on that endorphin rush, right? We're feeling really happy. Um, our neurochemicals are going. We feel that overwhelming sense of joy and compassion. Now that we found somebody we're looking for new exploration with them. But as we go forward, um, and we get more heavily invested into the relationship, possibly, you know, a year in, two years in. The way I practice, and I know many others, is when we're looking at our collaring ceremonies, we're not really thinking about if that comes to an end and how to handle it. So where do we look at all of these different things? Um, what kind of obligations do we have after a relationship ends if any i believe there are obligations for both parties to make sure that when we're exiting a relationship when a dynamic ends for whatever reason that we both kind of have to transition out even if it's on some sort of you know level that we can each cope because sometimes dominance do release submissives and submissives are kind of lost into the wind there. All of a sudden, that daily ritual of that good morning text that they might be used to, to checking on them throughout the day, and then the final check-in at night is no longer there. So we can kind of look at this kind of, <clears throat> we can kind of look at this like the stages of grief, right? Um, I recently was speaking to somebody about uh, the Kubler-Ross um, stages of grief, stages of grief model and while this doesn't really terribly apply you know I mean there are going to be some things here and it's probably going to cover in the second episode but if we kind of look at the stages of Greece grief that uh increase sorry to my Grecian listeners it was not a, it wasn't a slide against you if we're looking at the five stages of grief right denial anger bargaining depression and acceptance, we can kind of even apply this over to the end of a relationship, right? We want to deny that it's going to come to an end. We're angry at our partner or we're angry at ourselves because it's end. Maybe we're going to now try to negotiate our way back in. When none of those, th you know, when those three things start passing, then we're looking at the reality of that setting in. So we're feeling that anxiety, that stress, that depression. And finally, over time, we come to acceptance. It's over. That person is no longer going to be in our life. And it's quite interesting trying to apply this 
across into our dynamics. And I think as I move forward in time, when I start talking to people, I think this has really illuminated my eyes in this discussion about something that we're really, truly missing in the lifestyle, especially when we get into the negotiations. So how do we deal with an ending of something? It's always, it's, it's becomes one of those conversations that we look at emotionally that sometimes are morbid, right? Especially if we're talking about death. But if we're talking about something ending, regardless of what that is, in essence, it's dying, it's over. How do, how do dominance and S-types or D-types and S-types deal with this transition? Do we, if the submissive has gone out and created something for that dominant, um, I don't know, a special shirt or maybe an emblem that they're going to wear on their leather vest if they're in the leather community, whatever, or they've made them a special implement, they've got it designed, what do you do? You know, typically if we revert back to our adolescent stages when we have had the broken heart syndromes, we... Uh, take all the stuff we're told to take it sometimes it's either take it put it out of sight out of sight out of mind unfortunately as we grow into adulthood that doesn't work and because we're in such we're in much more of a controlled environment in which one party is giving up their autonomy they're giving up their um, control to somebody else in a power exchange these are abrupt ends for the s type you know all of a sudden like I mentioned before, all of these rituals are shattered. You know, if they are wearing a collar, now what? If they haven't been uncollared, how do they go about that? These are extremely jarring incidents that we don't necessarily or are struggling with to trans transition back, right? We're looking at um, how do we move forward because now we're sitting around going well i don't have you know my mistress my master <clears throat> isn't here to tell me what to do these are going to start accompanying major fears of loss because we haven't negotiated these things we haven't talked about all of these things um there is oftentimes a belief that you know on the dominant side of the relationship it feels less than the submissive side and i you know kind of talked about that before but we have to understand both people involved in a dynamic, they're investing their time, their effort, their emotions, their psychological, psychological states, and their energy, their spirituality to be involved in these things. And just because I'm dominant, it doesn't mean that I'm exempt from feeling all of these states, right? Um, submissives feelings they they could be feeling you know they might be dismissed they might feel less than they might feel you know they're trying to start blaming themselves and we have to be very wary of that if you are on this side when the dynamic ends to start doing these things to start taking this personally why it ended i mean it very well could be your fault i mean i don't know no, i don't know every dynamic that ends and i don't know why they all end when we have to look at all of these stages and start potentially when we're going through these phases and sitting here going, okay, 
Um, so yeah, you know, I'm, I'm willing to play five days a week or two days a week or just the weekends, whatever. Yep. I, you know, I, I've got a nut allergy. Great. So I'm getting your medical history. I don't, you know, I'm a little, I feel claustrophobic. So I'm getting a little of your psychological history here. Uh, you know, all of these things. I think it's now really imperative that we start including inside of the community or, you know, at least inside of your own dynamics, because I'm not going to speak for the community, but I think going forward, I'm going to start mentioning this in, in my future talks when I'm out talking to new groups or older groups or any groups for that matter about this, about how do we really transition out? How do we change um if we've gone through a formal process, for example, of collaring, how do we become uncollared? If the dominant decides to release a submissive and, they, you know, the dominant says, okay, you know, I've released you, you are free from your collar. There may, you know, because obviously our dynamic is ending, there is probably going to, there is going to be a huge sense of loss, a sense of emptiness that person's emotional state is now going to be in flux, regardless of how they're presenting. They might present a united smiling front, but in reality, inside of them, their behavior is completely changed. All of those things that they used to do, belonging to someone, owning, you know, being owned by someone, that's all over. And we have to learn how do we transition out of all this. I mean, this is really a... Luna, I, I know at some point you're going to end up hearing this. Uh, at least I hope so. Um, I think this is going to be a discussion we may end up having to have. This might, could be turn into a big three-parter with an interview at the end. But I do agree. We have to consider out how do we, you know, what are, what are the other phases uh, or other things that we're used to? Now, one suggestion that I saw... Um, or I've read and I've read a few different things was also phasing things out, which was interesting because when I read this about phasing out honorifics, um, that I can understand from a submissive side, but I mean, if you're, if you're heavily invested into the community, phasing out honorifics may be difficult because you may have always addressed other dominance by, you know, yes, ma'am, or yes, sir, or, um, if you're a dominant yourself, you're still trying to maintain your levels of respect and you're still talking to, you know, yes, uh, I don't know, Luna, I'm going to borrow you, so, you know, nothing personal here. But, you know, I might still go up and say, oh, greetings, Mistress Luna. You know, how are you tonight? I might still carry these forward. Now, maybe over time, what ends up happening is is that we, we're slowing this down. Um I think emotionally we don't want to just conclude something because that's going to create a vast chasm and a vacuum inside of ourselves that we're not going to know how to fill. Um, because what I'm trying to do is I'm really looking at the comparison of this uh, and how does this translate like when a real, you know, vanilla style relationship and the emotional basis there. So we have to start understanding, okay, we're, we're going through all these things. How do we start, um, how do we cope? 
Well, the first thing that we're going to have to start realizing is when a relationship or a dynamic ends is, is that we're going to need some time for ourselves. One thing I work on when I'm with my clients is um, I always talk about me time. Whenever a session ends between myself and a client, there is always a standing instruction. I, it's one of my rules, but it's a standing instruction that for one hour after we're done talking, I don't want you to think about what we've spoken about in our session. I want you just to just go and do some me time. Go take a shower, go big, you know, I've got clients that bake bread or they like video games or they love to go for a run or the gym or whatever. Some love to go and paint at the beach. I think that's, these are all wonderful expressions of some taking care of yourself and being in that space. Another thing we la- we tend to do when we when relationships end is as part of, you know, obviously taking care of yourself is we tend to go- start to neglect our own nutrition. Right? We don't want to eat because we're depressed, we're upset. We um we may not take a shower. So this is a good time when we're maybe wanting to reach out and lean on somebody to create a support network. I tend to find submissives have a really good support network when things end in their dynamics. Dominance, not so much. Or at least when I'm saying that, um, they might ask you how you are. But, you know, our standard response is dominance are like, nah, we're okay. You know, I'm just taking my time right now. I can think of a time where um, something happened and something ended and it was quite devastating and it, it shattered my realms of trust. I didn't want to believe. I sure as hell didn't want to date anybody else again. I didn't want to go out and play. I didn't want to go out and meet a new sub um, and I didn't really have anybody checking in. So creating that support network so we're taking care of ourselves. We are trying to remain, you know, keep up our nutrition, keep up our strength. We are not falling into a, such a deep state of depression or anxiety where we're not um, keeping up our hygiene. We might want to then, when a dynamic ends, when we're, when we're starting talking about moving forward, reconnecting with family. Maybe some of the people that we've neglected over time and think about how that can help us cope through our time because what we have to understand is when we when something ends regardless of how that is and yeah this is going to turn into a two-parter when something does end the reality is is now we have to start filling that void and we have to whether it ended on a good note or a bad note we have to start creating new memories because otherwise we sit and stew in the memories we have we start constantly dwelling on the thoughts of what was versus on what is and that prevents us from moving forward and rumination uh, can get really bad for a lot of people if you're at the point where you're highly depressed after a dynamic ends, you might need to consider speaking with somebody you know see a therapist there's nothing wrong with it talking about loss is loss no matter how we face it Um, This is a really big subject, and I'm really starting just to scratch the surface on this one, and I think I'm going to extend this into a two-part, possibly a three-part episode, because I don't think I can kind of give this all the justice it really needs. 
um, because I haven't even gotten to the point where, <clears throat> pardon me, I wanted to start talking about when someone passes away in a dynamic, you know, if suddenly, um, you know, people get sick, if your submissive passes away or your dominant passes away, how do we cope with that? We do go through life thinking we are quite invincible, but the reality is that's not true either. We're not, nobody lives forever, again, as far as I know, unless you're maybe Elon Musk and you're going to upload your consciousness into a computer. <clears throat> I don't know how we are going to continue forward, but with all the non-technological stuff aside, I think death, I'm, I'm moving to that next week or, or at least later and maybe put out the other episode later this week. Um, I want to keep this conversation going, so I'm going to post some questions on people's thoughts. I'd definitely love to hear in the comments below um, what you think so far, um, some other things you might want me to talk about in the second part of this episode. But just remember... There is also no plan how you deal with the grief of, of something that ends. Um, and I re recently had this conversation with somebody when we were talking about the stages of grief. It doesn't matter if you're angry first or, um, you know, you want to be in denial last or you face depression. It doesn't, the stages of grief, everybody goes through differently. Um, I think I'm going to kind of build on the stages of grief with death and the ends of relationships next time. But I definitely want to thank you, even though they're not here. I, I really want to thank Luna and I want to thank Brooke again for this discussion because it's really, it's really more than I think probably 90% of the people out there ever consider. And I could be wrong. Maybe there's a lot of you that have negotiated this into your um, contracts or have discussed this already with your dominance or your submissives. And that's wonderful. I'd love to hear about that. Um, and that'll give me more food for thought for the second part of this. So I'm going to kind of leave you all with that. And um, like I said, leave me some comments below. Love to know what you think. Um, I would like to also add, if you really like the podcast, please um, rate me on uh, Spotify so I can start letting more people, you know, find this information that I'm putting out there. Um, and we'll go from there. And then I'll work on the second episode sometime this week. And like I said, I might just drop it early and uh, maybe try to negotiate a time to talk with Brooke and Luna or just talk with Luna or talk with Brooke, whoever, and get some more perspectives on this. I really want to kind of round out this discussion because this is truly important especially the emotional side of this. It's the one thing that we tend to neglect quite often. So I'll leave you with all that food for thought. Until next time, everybody, be safe and stay kingly.